0: We hear this gospel reading about the Annunciation very often within the liturgical year. And the challenge we face when we hear things over and over and over again is it becomes familiar. We become numb to this passage and we just kind of glance over it. It's like, oh, okay, I know this, the angel appeared, Mary said yes, great, whoop de doo Doesn't matter. But we really, especially in this context as we prepare for Christmas, we have to begin to take serious and really reflect and look at this passage very carefully. Because this passage becomes a very key and pinnacle part of our faith journey. It really becomes a key and pinnacle part, especially in our Advent season, to know and understand who and what we're waiting for at Christmas. But most importantly, the severity and the challenge that comes from the Annunciation. We hear very clearly in our gospel, the virgin was betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Why is the house of David important within this line? Why did our gospel writer have to mention that she was from the house of David? It's very key for us to begin to understand that the house of David was the chosen people set aside by God to respond, to accept him, to make him their God. But what do we find in salvation history? We found people here and there being able to say yes to God. But what do they do in turn? They really have turned themselves away from God. They've worshipped other gods and even could care less about God. So when we find this phrase, the house of David especially being addressed to Mary, we come to see and understand as the whole of the gospel that Mary becomes the representation of God's chosen people. Mary becomes the person who God has been waiting for for thousands of years to finally and freely accept and say yes to God. Not a yes where we just say, okay, yes, God, and we forget about it. Or yes, God, just go, go away, get, get away from me. I've said yes to you, just leave me alone. But a full, unconditional gift of herself to God. Saying yes to his will and his mission for her life. What his chosen people did not do for him. And so what do we find in Mary? We begin to find in her yes these three key components to every single yes in our life. There's a desire for God's dwelling. There's a desire to allow God to remain with us forever. And finally, a relationship with him. But as we continue and unpack Mary's yes, we come to understand the situation you and I are living in on our daily basis. At our baptism, our, our parents said yes to the faith. But if we look at our lives, that yes, does that yes still carry within our daily life? Does that faith become something crucial and important within our life? Or is that yes another, yes God, get out of my way so I can do what I want? We find in Mary's yes a completely contradictory image to what we do when we say yes. When Mary says yes, she allowed God to work within her life. But we don't get it in the context of our gospel reading. But if we truly understand and study the culture of that time, we see the gravity and the challenge behind her, yes. For all the ladies in our pew, I want to invite you to draw back to the time period between the ages of 12 and 14. And if an angel appeared to you between the ages of 12 and 14 and said, you will bear a son and that son will be the son of God from the most high. At the age of 12 or 14, do you think you were capable of being a mother? But at the age of 12, between 12 and 14, Mary said, yes. Yes. The next layer of that is within that societal context. If we look very carefully in our gospel reading, Mary was betrothed to Joseph and she hasn't gone home to Joseph yet. Meaning they've gotten married, but now all of a sudden Mary is pregnant. In that kind of context, we come to understand that Mary is seen by society as being pregnant before even being married. So if that was the case, she was going to be dragged out into the city center and stoned to death for that. So then let's look back at Mary's yes. First, she was between the ages of 12 and 14, and she said yes to the Lord. And secondly, in saying yes to the Lord, she knows that she is risking her life for God that sacrifice, that love for God. But how many of us within our own life can make those decisions, can really desire that for ourselves? Because in the midst of trial and tribulation, we tell God, forget about it, I'm done, get out of here, I don't want it, forget about it. We leave at the point in which trial and tribulation gets difficult, becomes challenging within our own lives, and we abandon and leave God, God, I don't want any part of it anymore. But when we say yes to God, when we truly give ourselves to God, we're not running away from the problem. We're not running away from the trials and tribulations. We're not running away when the world is persecuting us. But we are charging forward. We are remaining faithful to the end, and we're going to continue what God has called us to do. But that is the significance and power of that yes. So how do we continue to remain faithful to him? How does our yes become more powerful? How does our yes actually mean yes to God? Instead of just saying yes and internally, we're saying, no God, nope. I say yes, but I'm really meaning no. When we look at the life of Mary and we look at what Mary has done in our gospel reading today, we begin to see the vulnerability. We look first and foremost at Jesus. If Jesus is the son of God, then why could he not snap his finger and just magically appear into the world? Could he just not magically appear like a 33 year old man just began his life? But instead he became man, was born of a woman, Mary carried, her, Mary carried Jesus in her womb for nine months. We see this very intricate relationship that if we're going to love God, if we're going to say yes to God, there's a sense of vulnerability between both of us in Mary carrying Jesus for nine months. Mothers, you know those nine months of carrying a child was not the most joyful was not the easiest thing in life. But also in the incarnation, in Jesus becoming man, he made himself vulnerable in the mother's womb to remain and entrusted himself to our blessed mother. Because we understand now that when a child is in the womb, the child is very vulnerable. The child depends on mom for everything. The child is defenseless in the womb. But this is the son of God. God made man. Why does he become vulnerable? Why does he put himself in this situation? And at the end of the day, that is because he loves us. Because he wants us to be like Mary, to respond to that yes. And as we come in the approaching hours to his birth, to remember his birth 2,000 years ago, we come to prepare to understand we are about to go on mission. We spend all these, ad- these weeks in Advent, these four weeks of Advent, preparing ourselves for these four exact things to allow Him to dwell within us, to allow Him to remain with us, to be in relationship with Him so that we can begin our mission. That mission begins tomorrow in which we bring christ to the masses as we continue to read into this gospel reading we begin to hear mary's magnificat my soul proclaims the greatness of the lord my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant from this generation all will will call me blessed the almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My soul proclaims because I go out knowing that Christ is within me. Christ has remained within me. And that this incarnation, the Lord becoming man, is so empowerful. It's so empowering to me. Because God has became man to save each and every one of us. To love each and every one of us the way we were called and meant to be loved from the beginning. My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. Because no longer I have to suffer here on this earth. I no longer have to be captive to death anymore. I no longer have to be a slave to sin anymore. But now I am free. I am free from the sins. I am free from slavery of death. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. He has loved us and loved us so unconditionally that he became vulnerable, that he wants to dwell in our hearts, that he wants to remain with us as imperfect, as broken as we are. This God became man, a God, a king, a man who is worthy of much more but dwells and wants to reside within our brokenness, within our frailty, within our weakness, to give us strength, to give us joy, to give us peace. So my brothers and sisters, as we come to the final hours of Advent, it's still not too late to prepare a worthy dwelling place for him. To reconcile ourselves with God. To begin this relationship that we're meant to have, that we are called to. So that when we come to Christmas, so when we come to celebrate Christmas, it's not just a passing day anymore. It's just not a passing celebration anymore. But we can begin, like our Blessed Mother, to say yes. To truly mean that yes to allow God to dwell within me, to allow God to remain within me, to have that relationship with him so that when I bring the incarnation, when I bring baby Jesus to the world, the world sees Christ. So when I bring him to the world, I share the good news he has brought to my life. I bring him to the world and share the love that he has had for me, someone imperfect someone broken, someone frail. But most importantly, for us to allow Christ to work within us so that we can become God's hands, God's feet into the world, letting the world know and proclaim the good news to proclaim our holiness as we enter the kingdom of heaven for all the great things he has done in our life, that we have shared with the world every day and every moment of our life. Amen.